finishing off the book of Ecclesiastes. Time opportunity uh, to, to, to watch, to listen live uh, to the book of Ecclesiastes. But I say that jokingly a little bit, but, but in all honesty, it's been a phenomenal study. Um, I, you know, I, when we went into the study of Ecclesiastes, I was like, I don't know what we're going we're gonna do here. Maybe Josh will give up a few sermons in and go somewhere else. But I think it's been a wonderful uh, study and so practical uh, for our lives. Isn't it amazing how um, the Bible, written thousands of years ago, but through the infinite wisdom of God, is able to be applicable each and every day to us? Uh, how amazing is that? So we'll we'll get to hear the last little bit of that this evening. Uh, here in a second, and we'll also take the Lord's table uh, here tonight. So, so just a kind of a cherry on top of a, of, of a great evening we're expecting. Uh, here in a second, we'll sing on three sixty eight in your hymnals. We'll sing nothing but the blood. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Ask for God's blessing over our time here this evening. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for another day of life and another Sunday to gather as the local body of Christ and to worship you. And, and God, you've already been good to us uh, this day, allowing us to gather and to sing and to give and to, and to hear your word preached. And, and God, you've even been more good to us and that we get to gather again tonight. So God, as we do that, I pray that you would bless our time, God, that you would uh, teach us with your word and God, that you would be with Josh as he as he brings the, the sermon tonight. Uh, and God, we thank you for the study that has been the book of Ecclesiastes. It's, it's been so enriching to our lives. Um, so God, just, just bless our time one more time this evening. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So like I said, if you would stand. 368 in your hymnals. We'll sing nothing but the blood.
I praise God that it is nothing but the blood, nothing but the blood that can, uh, can for sin atone. Not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. We, we praise God for shedding his blood on the cross uh, for us. Uh, let's go ahead and take a time of fellowship before we get started with the sermon. That's the hometown cheers right there is what that is. That's, that's a <laughs> she does a great job, and I'm proud of her. I really am. Uh, it's always a good Sunday evening when you can come back to church and hear your daughter play the piano as we sing. It's been a good day, and before you, we even get started tonight, and we, we've got a couple things to do here tonight, but uh, you know the Sunday school was excellent this morning. If, if anybody doesn't come to Sunday school, you're missing out on Exodus, and uh, the service this morning, I thought the, Isaiah was telling me just then, he thought the Sunday morning service was excellent. Paulina done a fabulous job with a song that she, she sang this morning. Um, I, Brand, me and Brandon was talking, I think she did, I'm just going to whisper it, I think she did better than the original singer of that song. Um, she, she did better than the Gettys, so I thought that was wonderful. Baptizing my daughter and Axel this morning was great. Looking down and seeing tears in both of their eyes as they make a profession of faith in front of the, 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 the whole church. And then coming back tonight for a, a, to close out Ecclesiastes and to take the Lord's Supper. You can't ask for a better day in the Lord's house. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And we're at the end. We, we've come all the way to the end of Ecclesiastes. 
I've said, I've, uh, when we, pre- we preach through books, I call it climbing a mountain. And now we've reached the top. We've made it all the way. You guys have went along with us, and it's been a long journey. It's been a tough book. I think it's been a life-changing book. I think that as we end this, for me, maybe not for you, because I get to spend a lot more time with it than you do, but it's changed the way I look at life. It's, it's put a different shade of glasses on me and changed the way that I look at the world. I mean, I, I just want to go out and live life as long as I can right now. And, and I, I'm thankful for this book. It's, it's a good, been a good book for us to study, and I think it's something we should periodically go back to and, and look at and be, remind ourselves to, to live this short life that we have. Uh, they say, I, I read a thing this week that said Ecclesiastes teaches us that life is like a piece of juicy fruit gum, that it just ain't going to have a whole lot of taste very long. So enjoy it while you have it. <laughs> and that, I think that's true. That's what it says. Vanity of vanities, life is vanity. It's passing. It's, it's going away. And you need to enjoy it while you can. And tonight, as we come to the end, I think you save the best for the last. This is the best part of Ecclesiastes. This is the, the reason that I preached Ecclesiastes. For these verses here at the end, I think this is the grand finale. I think this is the encore. I think this is the the dessert at the end of a good dinner. As you see that final piece of cheesecake come and you're waiting the entire time just for that, I think that's what this is. As Solomon finally tells us and gives us the answers to life's biggest questions. And he's built built it up going all the way to these last four or five verses. So I want to give that to you tonight. And you guys can stand with me. We'll read verses 9 through 14. And we're going to answer really two questions. What is the meaning of life and why does it matter? So this is the answers to life's biggest questions. What is the meaning of life and why does it matter? So let me read to you, starting in verse 9, we'll read to the end. And again, this doesn't happen very often where we get to finish a book. And and it's kind of bittersweet. So let's go ahead and read verse 9. And moreover, so he's got more to add. He could have easily ended in verse 8. He's like a good preacher. He doesn't know when to end. Verse 8, he could have said, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And he would have ended it there. But he said, I've got a little bit more to say. I'm going to go a little bit further. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, and he's talking about himself in the third person there, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. And further, by these, my son, be admonished of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of flesh. And here it is in verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here it is, the conclusion. He spent his whole life looking for this. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, and with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. His last words. And these are his last words. So let's go ahead and we'll pray and we'll answer life's biggest questions. Father, we thank you for your word and for this book that is just kind of tucked into the Old Testament that not many people read or study or preach. And God, we thank you that we've pulled it out of the shelf of the canon of Scripture. We've opened it up, we've looked at every single word in all 12 of these chapters, and it has been good for us. And like it said here, like Solomon said, this is the word not of Solomon, but of the one shepherd, as you're trying to show us how to live life. And God, I believe that tonight, these are your answers to life's biggest questions. We have found not a secret, we just just studied it. It's there for everybody to read, but it's a secret to life. 
So God, teach us these things tonight, this final lesson, and help us to know the answers to life's biggest questions. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. An author uh, that was going to write a book, and he was trying to do a little research, he asked 250 of the most well-known philosophers and intellectuals in the world. Sent out an email, just trying to get a hold of these men, uh, the, the greatest minds that the world has in our world today. And he asked one question, and he wanted to get this from the greatest intellectuals and philosophers of the day. He said to them, one question, what is the meaning of life? That, that was his question to these brilliant men in, in universities and doctors and, and all kinds of education. He's asking, why are we here? Or what is the purpose of life? Why are we born? Why do we live? What is the point of, of our existence? Why do we get up and live day by day and, and week by week and month by month and year by year? Why do we do what we do? So he sent out that question. What is the, the meaning of this life? What is the point of our existence? And they, he got several answers back. And I'm going to give you a couple of them. He's some people said that the meaning of life is pleasure. These are called hedonists, and they, they believe that life, the, the meaning of life is to eat, drink, and be merry, to be as happy as possible for as long as possible, and then you die. So you live here, you get as much joy out of living here as you possibly can, and that is the whole purpose and meaning of life, is to get pleasure out of it. And there's a lot of people that live that way, just living to, to live it up. The second most uh, popular answer was to look within yourself. These are called humanists, and they find their own purpose by following their hopes and dreams. They, they realize, they, they, they wake up in the morning and say, what, what was I meant to do in life? I'm going to chase this dream, or I have this hope, or I have this goal, and I'm going to do, I've got to find it within me, and, and, and it's personal. It's, it's, it's each person could have something different, and a different meaning in life. You could have one, and you could have one, and you guys could have one, and I could have another, but the whole purpose is for me to find my meaning, and for me to live out my meaning. The life is all about me. You guys know a lot of people like that? Maybe you guys agree with that. I, I don't know. Some said, this is the third most popular, that life has no meaning. These are called nihilists. They believe that there's no meaning in life, and it's all just, these are the kind of people that walk around depressed all the time. There's nothing really to live for. Why are we here? We don't know. It's just a waste of time. What are we doing? And they, that's just how they live. It's just a depressing state. We don't know why we're here. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're supposed to do. It's just kind of like a, a, a dreary life. Some actually wrote back and said, I don't know, but if you find out, let us know. <laughs> uh. So there's, there's a lot of these answers that you can get. We see many answers. We see a lot of people searching, trying to find the meaning of life. And if I was to ask you before you came in here or not, what do you say the meaning of life is? Everybody's looking for this. Everybody's searching for this. But what is it? And we get to do tonight what Solomon did as, as he took, and, that, and that's the whole question of Ecclesiastes. He got to the end of his life and he said, what's the meaning? I'm looking for it. What's the whole, whole purpose of, of my life? And why am I here? And why do we live? And what's the point of my existence? And he started a journey looking for it. And, and he went from chapter 1 to chapter 11 and he showed us everywhere he went the different roads that he took looking for meaning and 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 for the for the point of it all and and he would go and he'd find a dead end in, in riches and he would find a, a dead end in pleasure and he'd find a dead end in education and he'd, he'd find a dead end everywhere he went he, he couldn't find anything to, to, that gave him meaning in life that's 11 chapters of ecclesiastes here no here no here no 
Over and over and over, he couldn't find it. And then here at the end, he found the right road. And he says there, I'm going to give it to you, he says in verse 9. Well, he said, I've gathered it all together. I want, you to, I want you to pay attention to this. And moreover, the preacher was wise. He figured it out. This journey, and, and again, I want you to get this. Solomon went everywhere. Solomon had everything that he could ever want. And it says he looked everywhere under the sun trying to find meaning. Nobody had the resources to look and search throughout life like he did. And at the end of his journey, he found it. And he said, I've gathered it all together. Well, read, read with me, verse 9. It was wise. Wanted to teach people knowledge. Yea, to give them good heed. So I sought out and I set in order many proverbs. So I'm piecing this together very orderly like. That's what a preacher does. He puts a sermon together and he, and he thinks it through and, and he has an introduction and he has, he has points and he has stories and he has illustrations and he has, he has application. And, and, he, and that's what he said. I, I put all these things in order so I could tell you what it is. He said the preacher sought out acceptable words. I wanted to give you good words. I wanted to, I, he, he might have even had a, a thesaurus sitting there so he could find the best words to, to use to, to do this. Trying to give you the meaning of life. And then it says that, that, was, that, that what was written was upright and even words of truth. I wanted to tell you the truth. The words of the wiser is goad. So it, it's, a, it's a goad that they would use on a, on, on a cow trying to push it in the right direction, to goad it, to see. So he, he's talking to these people saying, uh, you're, you're like a cow and I'm like a shepherd with a goad trying to, trying to get you to see this and uh, understand this and, and to not go in the wrong road, the dead end roads, but to, to find the right road of life. Here's meaning. I think that's what a preacher does. He's like, like a shepherd with a goad. Don't go that way. Don't go that way. You'll make a mistake that way. And you're always, as you're preaching, trying to put people on the right path. And that's what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is. Him trying to put people on the, the right path. Because he says that are given from one shepherd. And further, he says, I don't want you to look for meaning in all these other books that are out there. There's only one book to look for it in. So he says, here we go. I want your attention. Here's the final answer. I put all this together using acceptable words and upright words and true words all to point you in the direction of the right answer. I think this sermon tonight would put a lot of people out of business. A lot of psychiatrists out of business. I think it would put a lot of authors out of business. If we would just read these last verses of Ecclesiastes, people could find the meaning that they're looking for. Amen. So here he goes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And again, verses 9 through 12 is just him saying, I've put it all together and I've organized it. And I've done it in the, in the best way that I can so that I can show you the, the right road in life. So let me show it to you. Let's get to the summit of the mountain. Here's the, the answers in verses 13 and 14. It's the only answer. It's the, the right answer. It's God's answer. So here's the conclusion of the whole matter. So I'm going to give you two points. Two questions we're going to ask, I'll give you two answers. Number one, what is the meaning of life? And we find it right here in verse 13. One sentence. The whole purpose of man can be summarized in one sentence. This is a sentence to live by. We've, we've made fun of some of the statements earlier on in Ecclesiastes about a fly in your ointment, and you can put that on a coffee mug, and just all these different weird and, and strange statements that he made. But if you want to put something on a coffee mug, if you want to make something your life verse, this would be it. 
This is the meaning of life right here. Let's hear the conclusion of, of the whole matter. And he, and he couldn't be any more clear. He gives us one sentence and, and two things to do. One sentence, two things to do. It's not complicated. It's not even mysterious. This is very simple. This is what he tells us to do right here. Two things that, that is the whole meaning of life. Two things. So let's look at these two things. Number one, he says, I hope you guys are with me. Number one, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. It is to fear God. I mean, this is as clear as it can be. Proverbs 1.7, he says, the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. Here he says, the conclusion of the whole matter is to, to fear God. So the beginning of, of wisdom is fear, and the, the meaning of life is to fear God. You put it all together, and everything in life is pointing us towards to fear God. Amen. The Bible tells us to love God 88 times, to trust God 91 times, to fear God 278 times. So what does this mean? If the purpose or the meaning of life is to fear God, to be a God-fearer, what does it mean to fear God? That may be the, the most important thing you ever have explained to you. What does it mean to fear God? So let, let's explain what that word means. Fear does not mean to be frightened of God. Fear, we, we think of somebody who fears God as somebody who never smiles, they, they never laugh, you, you roll your eyes at them, they're just over the top, holier than thou, never do anything, they're, they're, they're dressed in a certain way and they act a certain way and, 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 and you just think that, that that's going over the top, they're, they're scared to death of God. But that's not it. This word fear means to see God for who He is. It means to know God as your Creator. He said that at verse 1, remember your creator, the one who made you, the one who formed you, the one who set you on the path that you're on. Remember him, see him, understand who God is, and he's our creator and our sovereign Lord, and he is holy. That's what Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6. He saw the Lord high and exalted and, and, and seated, and, and he fell down as a, a dead man before God. He saw who God was. And when you do that, that that's, that's where this fear comes from, that we see who God is. We get a, a sense of the Almighty, of who He is and who I am, knowing who He is, knowing what He's capable of, it puts me in my proper place. We don't do this a whole lot in churches today. We need more of this. And when people come into church, they get a sense of awe in who God is. We've made church comfortable. We've made church careless. We've made church a place where we want people to come in here and feel relaxed and at home and never. You, you would never put on your, on your Facebook page, come to our church and fear God. <laughs> come to our church and sense the Almighty. Come to our church and feel the, the weight of the holiness of God. Come to our church and meet your Maker. You don't get that in churches today, but that's where this fear comes from. A sense of the godness of God. We've tried to tame God. We've tried to take the teeth out of God. People don't want to hear these things. But this is who God is. We've done all we can today to put people at ease. But the Bible continually puts people at awe. That they need to feel the weight of God. And when you come to church, I want people to be comfortable. But when they walk into a church, they ought to be, there ought to be a little bit of awe when you walk in. Amen. 
When you come to church and you sing, it ought to be a little bit. I don't want to say a little bit. It ought to be a lot of awe. And I say A-W-E, awe. Reverence and respect. That when you read scripture, you stand. And you honor the word of God. Because of who it is who inspired it. Who it is that gave it to us. That when you stand up to preach, you are a theological preacher. That when I say that, I mean that you're preaching God. And when people see who God is and they feel the weight of the godness of God and they know what he is capable of, that creates not a frightening or being frightened of God, but it means people begin to take him very, 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 very seriously. That's what it means. If you want to write down what does it mean to fear God, it means to take God very seriously. It means that we stand in awe of him, that we tremble within our soul, that we respect who he is, that we take him. And I think we need to just reiterate that over and over, that we take him very, 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 very seriously. That when we open his word, we take it serious, that we don't play around with his word. And when we come to church and we sing, it's not just that, that we're kicked back and casual and flippant and have this cool approach with God, because that would be the opposite of fear, would it not? If we don't fear God, we, go, we are casual with God, and we're cool with God, and we're flippant with God, and we're kicked back with God, and, and God is our homeboy, and God is our, our the big man upstairs, and, and that's how people treat God today, and there's no fear in churches anymore. No, we got to be in awe of God and respect God and we take Him too seriously to do some of the nonsense that's being done in churches today. R.C. Sproul said the greatest weakness of the church today is they don't fear God. I think that's the greatest fear of society today. The beginning of wisdom is to fear God. The number one thing we ought to pray for our leaders in, in, in D.C. is that they'd fear God. That before they sign anything, that they would tremble and say, what would God say about this? Before they, and you've, you've seen the presidents that do that, they'll bring those, those, those notepads out and they, they have 475 ink pens. And they keep bringing it out and signing it and they'll bring it out and, and sign it and they'll give those things away and, and they'll laugh and they'll go on and on and on and they're signing things that are ungodly. You ought to tremble in the fear of God before you do anything like that. That's a president or a congressman or a senator. That God has placed you in that position. You ought to fear God when you make decisions. Take Him seriously. I think there ought to be a, a weightiness. Johnny knows it. Brandon knows it. I know it. And when you take two steps up back here. Before I say anything, I better make sure it's right. Because I have great respect for the God who gave me this book. And who called me to do what I do. I watch preachers dance around and prance around on stage in their skinny jeans and their baggy shirts and their water guns. And Do you not fear God? You're nonsense. If I was going to teach this to my kids, I'd say... To fear God is what those little jackals did on Lion King when they heard the name Mufasa. <laughs> they get that. Maybe you don't. But those little, those little jackals, they'd say, 
Mufasa, ooh, ooh, just hearing the name, and we tremble. That's how the Jews used to be when they heard Yahweh. Fear God. Take him very, very seriously. We don't play around with his word. We don't mess with it. We don't take anything away from it. We don't add anything to it. We fear God. And there ought to be a sense of that when you walk into churches. Should be. Say, Josh, you, you tell jokes and you laugh.